paid non-attorney spokesperson. Janelle and Associates Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all active or retired military. If you are diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss after using yellow and black or yellow and olive dual-ended earplugs, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. These earplugs permitted damaging sounds to enter the ear canal. If you served in the military and were later diagnosed with hearing loss or tinnitus, call 800-871-7344 right now to see if you qualify for significant cash compensation. The manufacturer knew of the defect but did not warn its customers. Complaints allege that the manufacturer manipulated test results to make it appear that the plugs met government standards. If you deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan anytime from 2003 through 2015 and are now suffering from diagnosed hearing loss or tinnitus, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344 right now. Hurry, time is limited. Call 800-871-7344 now to see if you qualify for cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344. That's 800-871-7344. 800-871-7344. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes, the NXT and 205 Live Edition. My name is Chris Novembrino. I am joined, as always, by Jeff Hawkins. Jeff Hawkins, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I'm going to do a quick plug for our Patreon here, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Chris and I, on Tuesday night, I believe it was. Yes, it was. Did, did, did a long hour and a half show about, or thereabouts, about an hour 20, actually. Uh, covering Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Evolve, and Extreme Rules. If you want to hear hot takes from that, uh, well, you can't, tepid. you can't do that at this point, but you can definitely hear our takes on it. Our takes and, on it. And some yeah. might say they are very hot takes. No, but we had a lot of opinions on the shows. Oh, that is and, true. uh, well, I, I, I think just as a Cliff Notes version for those of you who are going to cheapskate it, um, Extreme rules, good wrestling, but you know nothing, nothing to write home about. Um, AEW, I went over my thoughts on that. Chris hadn't seen it, and uh, and I thought Evolve was the best show of the weekend, to be honest with you. Um, and then we went through our Raw and SmackDown thoughts. So, so if you uh, want to hear for what buck, I thought, yeah, a buck for a buck. A buck if you want to hear what I think about the Raw and SmackDowns that I'm watching with some frequency, I mean, come on, what a pitch. What a pitch. Now, Jeff, <laughs> what else did you want to talk about here in the pre-show banter? Chris, AEW has signed Tully Blanchard to a multi-show deal. I am all over this. He is going to be the, he is manage, he was revealed on Being the Elite as the manager of one Sean Spears in his war against Cody Rhodes. Okay, I like that. The Rhodes-Blanchard war is on. If he can be half the jerk he was in his youth, we will have somebody who can actually cut a heel promo out there. I don't know if I need to get him on the drugs again. I think that's a mean thing to say, but I'm willing to do it. If they <laughs> no, I am, I'm very excited about this. As longtime listeners of this show know, Tully Blanchard, my favorite wrestler of all time, um, got to meet him in Dallas during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, just socially, and that was the highlight of my wrestling fandom, I think. So I am very excited about this whole thing. 
and um, I'm I'm hoping it grows from there. I'm 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 hyped for that. Uh, a couple of cleanup notes: Braun Strowman reups for a four-year deal, not going anywhere. I assume there will be a world title reign in that four years. This thing is weird because we're I was having a discussion and. I think we've been in a holding pattern since between that WrestleMania in in Palo Alto and the next year, and you're or, or actually the year before and the next year, you know, where Lesnar beats the Undertaker, and the straight ahead thing is you take the heat from that from breaking the streak and you put it on the guy, and then when Royal Rumble 2015, I think it is, happened in Philadelphia. The one where they really screwed up Daniel Bryan booking and the crowd turned on the match and Roman won. And I think The Rock came out to raise his hand and everybody was booing. I think we've been scared to crown a guy for a long time. So then we end up going back to Brock and going, okay, who are we going to get to actually beat this guy? Because nobody's gone over him strong other than Goldberg, really. Right. Seth right. had to use a Seth had to use a chair. You know, you get your roll ups, you get your sneak pins, but nobody's really had the dominant "Oh my God, he killed the beast" type moment. And we've been we've been playing footsie with this for four years now. And I have to imagine that if you're the performer Braun Strowman, you're thinking, well, Roman Reigns four years ago when I first signed up with this company. How long has Strowman been with the company? About four or five years. I think. Maybe a little less than that. I'm thinking maybe three, but you might be right. But at that time, it looked like the rocket was on Roman Reigns and he was the new John Cena. With the current lay of the land as it is now in the middle of 2019, that's not so clear anymore. And there's still room for a guy like Braun Strowman, the performer, to run and advance his career. I think you're right about a world title run. I think that if he plays his cards right, Vince might like what he sees in Braun Strowman and want to make this guy not quite the face of the company at John Cena level, but more of a face of this company. He's not there yet. I, I, I think right now, and I've said this before, I think he's in the Andre the Giant role. He's the big guy that they bring out for spectacle. But I think, but I think, but you know how these people are with, with accents and stuff like that. I think the Southern accent is killing him. In terms of, we're going to put the rocket on him. Because I could see Vince going, I don't want a guy talking like that as the main guy. But Braun and does can, like that screamy thing. It's actually very 1980s. It is, but but look, I mean, they've been this particular this long because they've been scared to put it on Roman because they're afraid of crowd blowback. Kevin Owens is never going to be the guy. That's why he's over on SmackDown in that main event feud. He's always going to be B+. Seth Rollins, it seems they have some doubts about him. Uh, that's all I'm saying. It seems they have some doubts about him. Yes. As 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 the as not not a top guy because he is a top. They guy. They value I mean, him, but they don't see him as the, the mascot yes, of the company. Exactly. He's not the, the mascot Hulk of the Hogan. Company. He's not Hulk Hogan or Cena or Austin or Rock, and they are looking desperately for that guy for this generations and, and the thing yeah. that they do is they go what's a reason we can't have that guy be the guy and if they find something that's it, it it's like it's it's like killing the very good in search of perfection and i think i think that's kind of what's been going on to be honest with you because it's like oh too short to this not attractive enough whatever you know they they don't they don't play it by natural flow. They play it by what their standards are, 
And if you're found lacking in any way, you're in trouble. But um, but I'll go a little bit further on the Seth Rollins thing and say that he is a very, very talented performer, but a little generic looking in appearance and stuff. He doesn't have that star popping thing that The Rock had, that Steve Austin had, that Hulk Hogan had. It's a very distinctive look. Seth Rollins is a long guy with a mustache and, you know, some scruffy stuff on his chin. It just doesn't feel iconic. It's (laughs) amazing. Iconic. Iconic. (laughs) I actually liked that ending, too. Uh, No, actually, somebody on the figure four board um, noted that that everybody like in the in the there's like four Jesuses on the roster. There's CrossFit Jesus, guitar Jesus. Uh, Scottish Jesus and Giant Jesus. Oh, you left one out. All, Ali. Ali's kind of doing the Jesus thing now too. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah he's in got terms the, of in terms of appearance. Yeah, a little bit, long hair. Yeah, yeah. I, he he looks enough like Seth Rollins at times. But he's not on top of the card. He's no, not on top no, of the that, card that, on that, Raw. Well, well, he he at various times they've teased it. Okay, fine. He had the magic uh, in Seth Rollins. There was a little bit of like the Spider-Man meme where they're both pointing at each other. That's all I'm Chris, saying. are you ready for Raw reunion? Oh, God. I'll tell you what. I was upset when they broke up Raw because I loved Raw's last album. But getting the band back together, it's great. It's been a while since Raw has been back on the air, so I can't wait. I'll, I'll t- this was an idea by the USA Network um, to help ratings, along with the 24-7 title. That was their idea. This, this is from USA and what they think is going to help. And uh, not so certain, but at least... In a lot of these... This is a real who's that of the WWE roster. <laughs> it's one of my favorite roast jokes. I forget. Some people say this is a who's who. It's more like a who's that or a who's left. Uh, there are some different names, though. I mean, Sid has been advertised. I'm kind of interested on that. You know, the Jillian Halls, the Molinas, the Candice Michelles. They don't move my needle necessarily, but I mean... These things are never really great homages. This is more like old people doing cosplay in the hallway and uh, and other people walk by and go, hey, you remember that guy? You know, it's almost like Easter eggs on parade. Yeah. I mean, maybe we get a Sid and Braun Strowman moment. That's kind of funny. Jonathan Coachman's going to be there. Can't wait. I think Austin is the main draw, and he has a show on USA Network that's debuting in a couple weeks. So he's there really to plug that rather versus any you know versus any corporate. But love. he's not going to do a whole lot. So in order to make this Austin appearance feel like something more than a momentary appearance of Austin, they made the Raw reunion. That's what I think is going on here. Well, he and Owens are going to stun guys. I think that's going to be it. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, uh, we'll see what happens on Monday. Um, yeah, uh, Eric Bischoff reportedly had, uh, has not really, really started, and he's not doing creative, he's just kind of being a manager, as we kind of thought he'd be. Um, you know, it, it, Paul Heyman, we'll see what his creative instincts are. Maybe Paul Heyman gets to script a lot of this. I don't think he's going to, because this feels like, this feels like something that will be very hyper-controlled by Vince in terms of how he wants to present old people. Or in, or stars or whatever, but uh, we'll see. 
So, where would you like to start this week, Chris? I will give you the uh, the. Uh, I feel like controls. you've been doing this a lot recently, but I'm gonna take this opportunity and go with 205 Live because Agreed. I want to talk about Chad Gable and Jack Gallagher. It was the best match this week, I thought, on television. Oh, it's so good <laughs> in terms of in terms of uh, the network stuff. Absolutely adored it. Love this. Eventually, this crowd got into it gonna crowd shame just a tiny bit in that they were very quiet and on their hands until the first major move kick out um that's you know that's something we need to work on in terms of uh conditioning but yeah no this is hard hitting this is great um did the right guy win see that's what's interesting i think that this could have continued on i think that you could have had another super competitive match that went even longer and had it go to some sort of double count out sort of thing and the crowd would have been ready for a third match. This is clearly hot enough that people were biting. So I don't know that I would have had Gable go over Gallagher here. I don't know that I would have had either guy win here. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, especially after calling the audible on the first match, I kind. I kind of like. You know, this is the kind. This is the kind of match where you could do because in WCW they they did this quite well. I thought between Benoit and Booker T. And, you know, even earlier than that, you had the Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff, best of seven for the U.S. title. This is I a best of seven Dean type Malenko story. I and Rey Mysterio. They did something yeah, like Malenko that. Yeah, Malenko Mysterio. That was really good. I also think of uh, the Benoit, or not the Benoit, the Malenko Guerrero uh, challenge where they did three three matches and three nights in ECW in 1995, I believe it was. So, yeah, no, this is the type of thing where I would... I, I think you could do something a little different here, and you could actually build over four or five weeks in terms of make it, you know, establish early on this is a best of blank series as opposed to kind of what they did with the Lucha Dragons and the Bywood Boys, where they just kept putting them together every week, every week, every week. You say, hey, this is best of seven. Chad Gable's up one nothing with one draw or no or the count out you count that too, you know you you have the series, and it can be for the number one contender contendership because that way you can build that too, but yeah no I, I I thought Jack Gallagher killed himself in this match and it was great yeah it was awesome. I don't know that I would have gone so far as to do the best of seven thing because I do think, especially with where the audience is right now, they're so conditioned to not care about any match in this series except for the final match in the series. So, well, I don't we also don't know if Chad Gable is officially a part of the 205 right. roster or if it's like a guest starring role. Uh, so, I would suspect he probably is because, you know, this Drew Gulak Chad Gable match seems like a very money match in the type of match that 205 Live would want to make eventually. Well, I'm sure they want to make that. I mean, but but I, I think I still think Vince looks at Gable as a main roster guy, even though he doesn't use him. So he looks at Gable as a main roster guy that he doesn't use. Yeah, pretty much. But that doesn't mean you get to use him. See how see how that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it's paradoxical. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. No, I I but man, I mean, I and and the visual of Gallagher after the match with that giant sore on his leg. His kind of like, uh, his, his paleness really, I think, accentuated the damage, especially on his chest, too, and on his back. I, I just, it looked like he went through a war. This was my kind of match, the kind of, you know, it was like 
smacking each other and working on body parts and suplexing yeah, guys. Yeah, I like and big it was, suplexes. I'm a big, yeah. big suplexes guy, and I don't need like huge guys doing big suplexes, although I do enjoy Otis Dozovic, if you go over to the Patreon side. I love Chad Gable and Jack Gallagher suplexing each other around. I think that stuff looks great. They look. Mm-hmm. I like when they take it to the outside. I like the outside brawling. Gallagher is so great because he can shift between so many different styles. He can do this as amazing yeah. stuff. He could do the British comedy escapes style and then he can go outside of the ring and he can brawl around and he, he flies around a little bit he, he's got a lot of tricks in his bag oh he's great i mean th- th- this thing just made me so happy inside i i can't even uh can't even explain it um so let's talk about the rest of the show here akira sure. tozawa versus samir singh was not necessarily super entertaining in the ring but what i have grown a weekly deeper affection for is the way that Nigel and Aiden interact on the microphone, especially during the Bollywood Boy matches, because Nigel is so blatantly hypocritical in his enthusiasm for the Bollywood Boys over the Lucha House Party. And I just, I really dig it. He's so funny. There was a moment, I forgot what it was during this show, where Aiden actually called him out on something, and it flummoxed Nigel to the point of silence. And that, that's always my favorite moment in, in, in these commentaries where the heel is so great in his character, but he's gotten lost in his web of lies. And, and the other guy, the straight man, just kind of points out the simplest thing. And Aiden's like, awesome. He's yeah, really, he's really very good. good. He's he is, really good. He, on NXT he UK this week. Me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Dude. NXT UK this week, just real quickly to talk about the commentary stuff. I thought that he occupied the additional space required in a two-man booth really effectively while still staying in the babyface character, which is interesting and not like a take on that spot I've seen on commentary in a while is because they always like the three-man booth now on Raw and SmackDown. I'll ding him on something when we get to the NXT UK review, but uh, overall, I, I, I find him... I, I like the fact that... I like the fact that this commentary booth, in their roles, they aren't combative in their roles. Like, we know Nigel's a heel, and we know he's trolling Aiden, but it doesn't get snippy. Like and Corey Aiden Graves doesn't will sometimes. loathe Nigel yes. either, which I think is also important. They you know, it, rub it's each why other like, the wrong way, but they don't hate each other. Like I, lo- I like the Corey-Byron um, dynamic, because Byron will not fight. He will just surrender, and then you, and you can move on. If, if Byron fought back harder on Corey more often, it would be an unbearable thing, but it's like a good... Again, I'm sorry about this. I always use improv as a reference, but it's a good improv scene where it's like, okay, if a guy really wants to do something, don't fight him on it. Just let him do it and then go from there, and then you can move on in the scene. That's what that's that's what uh, Byron does so well. But to contrast to this, I really like this style more because there's just more yes. balance between yes, Nigel no. and Aiden, and it gives more space for both people on the microphone to give and take because, to your point, I think you're right on the structure. I, I think you're totally nailing it. It's just Byron's a punching bag. I, no, it, I was going to I was yeah. going to counterbalance I was going to counterbalance it with Renee. Who will fight back? Oh yeah, on every yeah, little yeah, thing, yeah, sure. and just and just draw it out to the point of no, just let let the heel guy win on this, and then pick your spot to go after him. That that's that's my. That, and then, I wasn't counterbalancing those need, two. Yeah, and Corey does need to sell a little bit more for the face person. Like he really never gives any back to Byron. No. Yeah, no, he, he's important. he yeah. 
he he's a guy who <laughs> he he's very smart and he's so smart he will he will seem a little bit too powerful at times in terms of being that kind of presence on there and i always have to win the argument as opposed to kind of show him, himself showing ass on on that whole thing but yeah no uh uh, Remember the I have it on good authority from backstage. That whole angle he was setting up for a while yes. that never paid off at all. That just gave it did him this off. edge. It did. Yeah the uh, uh, the the cast that was the cast Enzo thing, right? Was it the oh? But he was doing that with other stuff too. It wasn't okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't just cast Enzo. But no, I think I think Corey's fine too. I, or, I, think I like he's him. Into the I, I like him. I think he's good in the role. I'm just I I prefer the Nigel and Aiden dynamic. That's all I was saying. Someone's yelling, "Get back to 205 Live!" Fine, okay, we fine. Will. All right, <laughs> weird voice. I will do it. Let's talk about Mike Canellis. Don't call me weird. I'm a fan. I'm trying to listen to your show. I appreciate that, and I'm sorry, and I. We got to continue on, though. I don't want to disappoint you. Mike Kanellis and Drake Maverick, we finally got to the crescendo in this Mike Kanellis versus Drake Maverick thing where it looks like Drake Maverick is going to have to step down as manager. But first, Mike got very under his skin and finally brought up Drake's wife. And Drake, who has been separated pretty well from the 24-7 stuff, the writers found a nice way to weave in that into this, because it does have to be relevant in some way to this. But we kept it serious with serious Drake Maverick, who loses his bleep, uh, because this is the free side, and then attacks Mike Canales and has this look on his face of, oh my god, what have I done? I just screwed up this nice little office job that I had set up for myself. This is a really good position. What am I doing right now? I enjoyed all of this, and I thought both performers were really good in the scene. I thought when he lost it, I thought that was great. Yeah. I, I do. I, I, I'm a little... You know what was funny? If you watch it back, listen to the pop when he dr- throws a drop kick, because... Most of the WWE audience doesn't know that, that Drake wrestles. Maverick was a wrestler. Yeah. yeah. They don't know Rockstar Spud. They just know that he was a guy, that, that he, this is an on-screen character. So when he threw a drop kick, you hear this, whoa, type of thing. I went, they think about him in a way that is different from the way you and I think about him, in particular because we've watched so much of him on other products. Well, well, we didn't give enough credit to the holding off on the reveal. And I think that's what, what kind of get, I, I kind of grinned a little when I heard that pop. I was like, man, I didn't give them enough credit for not giving Drake Maverick tough guy credibility or in-ring skill because he's been on TV for so long and kind of misused here and there. But, but that reveal that, oh, he knows how to handle himself is actually a great reveal and, and, and the, and the holding off on it that long makes it that much better. I, I thought that was, yeah. Amazing. I'm going to bring up something. When we went to tape Tuesday night, you had 205 Live in the background, and I thought you were listening to a CM Punk promo because of the cadence and the voice, and that was Canellis on the mic. He's good. He's really good in this role. They finally Look, you close felt- your eyes. I, I didn't. I didn't realize how much how much the cadence and stuff sounded like that either. I was like, okay, that's an interesting. Uh, that was inter- Yeah, but I think Canellis again, another. Once he got up, got rid of the raw thing, uh, on 205 Live, he's pretty darn good. I and think. he's got someone really strong to play off of. So I'm looking forward yeah. to this feud. I, I just hope these matches get over. But really, really good start to this. Or not good start, but good middle to this. So 
Now I need to pick which is the weaker of the two shows this week. Oh, uh, actually, there there was one more thing I wanted to bring up on two hundred five. Sure, uh, the week two of the Umberto Carrillo. Oh yes, that's um, right. What did they add in here this week? I'm just trying to remember because I was watching it last night, as you just mentioned. It's a little bit of the same as as week one. A little bit of his um, family, though. We uh, had yeah. Angel Garza on screen yeah. there. Yeah. So that might come up in the future. I, I was just seeing if they were planting any seeds going forward. I like the, doing this when he's not on screen, though, and this is something that they yes. should keep up with other wrestlers who they want to kind of get back into the rotation. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think, I think if you have somebody who's off screen – or out of a program for a while, introduce them in two weeks or so by doing good. I mean, there, there's a difference between a good video package and just a package that, you know, shows his name or says, Hey, I'm coming back or Hey, here's my catchphrase. You know, get, get, put a little depth in there and do that. But, uh, I, I'm, I'm liking this. I, I want to see what week three brings. All right. So. I'm going to go with NXT UK as the weaker of the two shows here and we'll finish out with NXT US. Sounds yeah that that was kind of how I ranked them. It's not that they were bad shows. It no. was is that NXT UK to me this week was what we like to call on television a moving pieces show. You're moving pieces around the board to set up the big con- confrontations later, but you're not really going to have anything of interest happen. Although I liked the main event on this show a lot. Yes, and we will get to that. But first, we have to talk about Imperium, Fabian Arkner and Marcel Bartel. Defeating Saxon Huxley and Tyson T-Bone. I liked this in the sense that it's Imperium going after kind of the two guys on the roster who are least likely to quote-unquote think the mat is sacred. But other than that, this was just basically a squash match. Yeah, I the commentary and the thing did not did not mix because they introduced, they go, oh, they don't care about the rules or something, but the match sacred. I'm like, no, the match sacred because they like the rules and they want to be the most technically proficient. They just don't bother to follow rules occasionally. So I, so I thought that was kind of a weird. There's a real tension with the whole, the mat is sacred tagline, which I like and the way it interplays with the ring. Yes. Like what yeah. they need is someone who really complains about the rules not being enforced. Almost mm-hmm. like Bartel needs to constantly be saying he needs to be holding the tag rope. He's not doing this. You're trying to call foul on every little thing. Saxon Huxley is apparently doing something with a book. Yeah, he's now reading books now. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or keeping a journal. Or, no, he was reading. I, I, saw, I, I watched that. And I went, well, what's the point of the... Okay, we're just going to have that as a problem. he just tosses it away. Go-go. He doesn't even get all yeah. the way onto the ramp with the book. I'm not the highest on Saxon Huxley, so the less said, the better for right now. Um, I like T-Bone a lot. I think the team's okay, and I think they're slotted. They're kind of... Uh, they're a little bit below the hunt yeah. in the no, no, pecking no, order, and that's fine. And that's where they belong, and that's where they belong. I, I like... The finisher that Eichner and Bartel have settled in on the power bomb and European uppercut that looks really good, mm-hmm. and it's a good heel finisher. It's it's pretty, but it's not too flashy that you'd cheer for it. You know what I'm saying? You, you thought the one where uh, Eichner does the moonsault or whatever too flashy, followed by yeah, too flashy, too flashy. For a heel team? Yeah, I, I, okay. yeah, I, I like this is a little more economized. I like saving it. I like saving it for a big match. Yes. I like I like when you have a finisher that you don't do week to week. 
but you pull it out for the big matches. I, I, I like that idea. Then we had Ginny with Jazzy Gabbert defeating Zaya Brookside. So not a ton to the actual in-ring of this match, but this is telling, as you were saying, moving pieces here. So we begin with Ginny cutting that promo on Zaya, saying that she can beat Zaya all on her own. And then at the end of the match, Jazzy has to save the day for Ginny. It's a little bit unsolicited, but we're now slowly telling that story. I think you're right, Jeff. I think Jazzy is going to come out of this as the baby face when she, when she finally disregards Ginny. Yeah. Um, classic, uh, classic flaky heel, monster heel partnership. I like it. Um, I did not like Aiden English bringing up, uh, Cersei Lannister in the mountain from Game oh, of Thrones. My. I think it's a little, t- oh. I think it's a little too on the nose. I, you know, it's a little too on the nose. And also, cultural references tend to, uh, they tend to ruin any, any. Well, never mind. I'm, that point's not very good because I'm thinking. Because I always say that wrestling's a time capsule. I just thought he was hammering it a little hard. Yeah, no, it doesn't bother one. me. But yes, I, I think he's hammering it a little hard. And if you don't watch Game of Thrones which is some people, like, I I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I got what he was getting at, but at a certain mm-hmm. point, you're like, okay, all right. It would have been fine as a passing reference, like the way Morrow does it. you know, he- Passing reference and then describe what it means. Yes. I think that's what was needed, as opposed yes. to just letting it sit there as if everybody oh, knew Oh, and then he starts was. telling Vic, I, that's the, the real problem here, is he starts telling yes. Vic, oh, I'm hip and I watch Game of Thrones, which is <laughs> just a tad bit tedious. Let's- that was such a dad line. I'm hip. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> sure thing, Dad. I'm with it. Um, I'm cool. I'm, 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 yeah, this, you know, this, I don't like distraction roll-up finishes per se, unless it is a heel, and I like them judiciously used, but here it's fine, because it sets up the sixth person that Sid Scala sets up later, where uh, Kaylee Ray, Ginny, and Jazzy Gabber are going to face Tony Storm, Piper Niven and Zia Brookside. I'm fine with this as as a setup, and, and both angles kind of then coalesce into each other. I'm good with that. Don't have a ton to say about Kenny Williams and Noam Dar. Tony Storm here. We have Tony Storm. She comes out and she's talking about how she's friends with Kaylee Ray. This felt a little rushed. Like there were a few beats here that were missed. I, I don't know that Tony Storm is friends with Kaylee Ray, so it, it feels like that that's being ported onto this a bit hastily. Yeah, it it came off as when you're saying you have this deep friendship, it comes off as a little shallow on Tony's end. And nonchalant on Kaylee Ray's end. Yes, it didn't because feel Kaylee like Ray didn't friends st- falling out. This is more like the betrayed mentor, though, and I didn't feel yes. that energy either. So yeah, that's I'm, part uh, yeah, of I my didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel an emotional connection between the two, as if you know, if Tony is really hurt by all this, she'd be saying, "Why? Why are you doing this right now? Why are you? You're not like this. Why, why, why are, are you, you doing trying this to, to tear me? me down as I finally climb the mountain that you helped me get up?" You, why did and why did you bring me over and help me stay at your apartment and all the things that she was rattling off and now you're doing this to me like this should be a lot more emotional yeah and then and then Kaylee Ray should be a little bit more um, you also need a couple more weeks to tell this story obviously this is a fairly yeah complex, you do you, you, emotional you, you, story you need to, yeah you need to tell this over over a few weeks and you needed to I mean she, she's doing the scenery chewing villain thing 
as opposed to the, I'm going to make you wait. Like I'm the going Black to dis- Witch. I, I'm going to decimate you, you know, that kind of, Yeah, I, 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 as opposed to the more in control, this was my plan all along, and I want this belt. And I had to use you and your star power and your beauty and all these other things that these people like out here to get you comfortable so then I could stab you in the back. I mean, even if you just got to kind of a bitter It's core. not personal. You're a nice kid. <laughs> Whatever. You Something, know, you, you yeah. Off these promo. people yeah. were never going to accept me as the face of NXT, and I knew they'd love you, but I also knew yes. that I could beat yes. you at any point. Yes. You're just a so placeholder for me, and now I've I come had to, to take h- what's mine. You know, I had to hide my ambition until there was a moment that showed itself. And it showed itself finally here, and then you know you play the video, and then boom, you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a story that they chose not to tell, right? And, yeah, and they they rush to the big payoff scene in the story that they didn't tell, and then we got to our main event, which was Mark Andrews versus Cassius Ono, and you're right, this was a very good match. I I really enjoyed Cassius Ono is really interesting. He has a cool, well-rounded style. Um, uh, there are certain things that I wish he could still do that he can't do anymore, which is a shame because it, it, he's got such a good wrestling mind on his shoulders. I saw this match before, kind of. Uh, Mark Andrews and Chris Hero at uh, Battle of Los Angeles 2016, and I got those vibes again. Mark Andrews tells a great David and Goliath story. Yes, he does. I think. And and it was nice to see him get this kind of win. You know, it was it was strong enough of a win to make it legitimate. It wasn't just a just a. I think you know, commentary pull. blew the call at the end. Here. I do too. Yes, I do too. Because they it, didn't put over strong enough. They didn't put over the fact that Ono was. They brought up that he could have gotten the win, but they didn't put over that he was going for a tombstone pile driver. Which is sort of like you just put it over as a disrespect to the Undertaker. Not that that has to be paid off or anything, but the whole idea is that Ono is a wrestling genius. I've also noticed that he's changed his entrance gear a little bit to look like the genius's entrance gear. I don't know if you noticed this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, Chris or Chris Heroes. Cassius Ono's gear is is something that uh, I, I want to go on a podcast for fun and discuss because I just I, I, I or I want to go with him. I want to interview him and go okay. Where did all these come from? What did your sports fandom come from? I'm, I'm interested in that backstory because I know the teams that he's rooting for that he's homaging to. I just want to know why. I think that'd be the most fun. Inter- I think it should do that on the network. Give me a rundown of all his different colors of gear and why he likes all these teams because he didn't answer it for me at PWG when I asked him because he was busy, you know, selling merch and stuff. But uh, I'm dying to know that. I, I thought that the... I thought the the team should have put over that this was a really big deal as opposed yes, to that's as opposed to just a win. Like like not not they don't have to go hyperbolic of this is the biggest upset in the history of NXT UK. But they do but I and I'd follow this up with another big win for Mark Andrews if they're building to something. I would I would put him up against Maybe a coffee brother to win something like that. Oh, that would be interesting to have him beat Wolfgang. Yeah, Wolfgang. Yeah. I'd go with that. Yeah, because um, I think him, he no, needs or a have little... him beat Mark because they're continuing that Mark story. I thought they did a good job with the cutscene with Gallus too. Oh yeah, I did too. But but overall, in terms of Mark Andrews, 
I think people look at him and the smaller guys and, um, you know, they look at him, they look at Legero, they look at Flash Morgan Webster and they go, small guy, probably going to lose. And I, th- I think we need to get rid of that somehow. Yes, I agree. I, I, it, it's it's tricky, but yeah, I, I I I think you know what it has to be is you got to put over the small guy's mind that the guy's got a really good strategy and also the superior skills. But part of that's also then limiting who's doing a shooting star press and who's doing this and that because if everyone's doing those moves, then and not and not just say it because that's the problem. They do, they do that. They do that on common day. Oh, Rey Mysterio can use his quickness to beat the bigger man. All right. <laughs> they they bring it up as a fact, but they don't really put it over. Oh, man. Speaking about not putting over ideas on commentary, Beth Phoenix. Not the best week for old Beth on the mic here on NXT. US. She she just shouts things. It's it's like there, there'll be like some form of high drama on the screen and and Nigel and, and Mara will be saying, you know, we'll be telling this story. And then all of a sudden, Beth will have to shout something, and you're just like, uh, he really needs to do something right now to help counter this. Okay, nice job out of you. And I don't want, I don't want to make this a sexist thing. I just don't think she... I, I, no, she, I, I mean... She's not better than Percy at, at, at Percy's worst. The issue you know? here is Nigel tries to pass her the ball at various points yeah. if she blows the pass. Yeah, like... um. It's funny because a lot of chatter has been happening this week with the New Japan English commentary and Chris Charlton. I think Chris Charlton has a Beth Phoenix problem the other way. Chris Charlton tries to get in there and say something, and it, it kind of throws throws off the rhythm as opposed to somebody throwing to him for context. Here, you throw to Beth Phoenix for context, and she she I think she just has a list of things she's supposed to get over, and so she just picks from the list. And so she screams it out. It's like on her list. It's like, all right, uh, shoulder, uh, uses submission moves. Okay, I'll pick D, and I'll just say that. And he's really grinding him down, Nigel. Oh, okay. Wow, really? Because I can see that. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's yeah. I think I think it's kind of a yeah. It's it's just they haven't found out how to use what she brings. Uh to the broadcast yeah it's interesting they, they, they put her they put her in a slot and they go here's your slot here's here's your job nigel's the color guy let me put this out here Mar- jeff morrow's morrow's the morrow's the play-by-play guy you're the emotion of this and because everything she says is emotional let me put this if out you here. notice is the real intrigue Shayna baszler versus beth phoenix Shayna's greatest challenge the most powerful person she's ever gone no against? no no, no, because they wouldn't put that on an NXT show. I don't think. I, I think. I think Beth Phoenix, if she's going to come back, she would do main roster programs, which she did. And I think that's her thing. I don't think there's. No, I think they want her to be a broadcaster because they they like the they like the press release of look, we have women on our play on our on our sports announcing team. Looks how progressive we are. It's it's virtue. It's corporate virtue signaling. So so we have look, we have Renee on Raw. We have we have Beth on NXT. Look how great we are. You know, it, it's 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 no, they're not leading to I I wouldn't mind that program. I just don't think that's that's uh because that's what they kind of did with Mickey James and Asuka. 
where they brought in Mickey James for the last Toronto show. Right, right. It's that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's not that foreign of a concept, and I also no, posed not. it more as is the real intrigue that versus this commentary experiment, no. which is not going well. No, because I think they thought she did a good job on May Young, and I don't agree with them. Yeah. On- I like the Arturo Huis repackage. I think he looks he, very formidable. He is somebody I did not bring up on the Patreon thing, but he was on this Evolve show, too. I think he is great. I do. I love... This was a fun match. It's a fun match, but he... he look, he's not going to do... He's not going to do indie style. Uh, you know, he's not he's not going to be Will Ospreay in there. But you know he can beat your kick your butt if you had to. So It's stiff, it's physical. It's like, stiff, this is, it's yeah, physical. It's what is, I like. Yeah, this is what I like too. I, I want to I want to give him a manager to speak for him even though they don't put Stokely on this guy oh, every time he's man, out on TV have, and he's a yo, kid, he's a killer. Stokely managing this guy and like this is the beginning of a feud with Matt Riddle. Yes. Yes, that's because I, I like yeah, this and he, match, and this could have went longer for all I care. Like that was a good match. I think Huas has he has great potential in terms of just being he, he he's Steve Blackman, but not in the WWF. Steve Blackman in like a territory in 1985 where you put a Gary Hart with him, and you just know he's gonna he's going to be stiff as hell. And he's going to be a nice challenge for either your mid-card title guy or your heavyweight title guy on a B pay-per-view. That's the kind of potential I see in him. I love this Riddle match. I, I think, and Matt Riddle's a guy I'd put against Brock tomorrow if I could. Um, but yeah, no, I, and, and they're two mixed martial arts guys. So they know how to do this for real. So you can fake it. That's the problem with tough people in, in wrestling. If you don't know how to really fight, then you can't really make it look real when you're trying to fake it. Yeah, there's a way that Huis spaces himself between his opponent that is clearly yes. different from the way the people who have only ever been WWE performers space mm-hmm. themselves out, and the, the ones who've only been trained in the performance center. It's something that like they'd actually try to iron out of Huis if he made it onto the main roster, and I, I don't want that to happen. Oh, and they'd look at him. He probably doesn't speak good English, or he speaks with an accent. We'll put him with Zelina Vega. Yeah, right. No, you know, exactly. Hey, yeah, almost needs a tag team partner. Here he is, Arturo Huas. Oh no, they no, they, no, they 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 put back together that Tainara Conti stable and make Tainara go out there with him. So we have the Street Profits backstage doing street talk. I do not like these tweaks to the Street Profits character. I am not feeling this, fam. Um, yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm interested in the Kyle O'Reilly Bobby Fish match, so I'm looking forward to that. Yes. We had cell phone footage. Let me try this again. We had cell phone footage of Mia Yim assaulting Shayna Baszler in the parking lot. This was uh, interesting. Interesting tweak to the Mia Yim character. Uh, yeah, I've already kind of gone over that. Uh, you know, I haven't been the biggest fan of this iteration of the Mia Yim character. I liked friendly Mia Yim. I did. I liked, I liked happy Mia Yim. I understand, you know, the, the Blasian baddie thing. I, you know, it, it's hard. <laughs> it's weird because she's not quite a good guy, but, but at the same time, she's not the baddest person on the planet. And 
next to Shayna, so it's kind of weird. Because you know Shayna could probably kill this woman. Because we've seen it already. A few times. I get that Mia's trying to up her game here, but it's almost like making the Io Shirai move when when she attacked Candace. Yeah, it, it's when your, you slam your, someone in a car door, even if... toughening people. Yeah, yeah, even if they're a really bad person, that's what did, pretty substantial. What did, Shana, what did Shana do to deserve this beforehand, other than be a bull? Yeah, she's a jerk. See, I, she's, served, she's a yeah, jerk. Oh, she's totally a jerk, but this is a competitive sport where you talk a lot of trash all the time, in part to get into your opponent's heads. You may feel that way, but there's a clear incentive structure to talk a lot of trash to get into your opponent's head. It's not okay if to she, it. If she, uh, it's, yeah, yeah, if she had run, if she had run her through a window or something before like three weeks or ago. if shana had tried and, to jump mia yim and mia yim, yeah. yeah got the upper hand on shana and started yes. slamming shana in the car yes. going you want to taste your own medicine here's a taste of your own medicine i can do this just as good as you can okay that's cool that's even you know on, on the verge of bad acidness but this yeah. is kind of heelish earned, to be honest earned bad acidness you know, if somebody attacks you, you have every right to be a badass against them. And, and you know, if if you were the quote unquote baby face in this in this thing, if you just go out and I mean, oh, so you're walking you to just, your car. <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, it's like it's like, okay, what did Mia? Why is Mia this mad? That's the other thing is, why is she this mad at Shayna? And the justification is going like, to be so that do? she can get a title shot, but this is not an okay way to go about getting a yeah. title shot. So I, I, I thought this I was agree. very unconstructive. I, yeah, uh, what did you think of the Tyler Breeze video? Uh, that was hot garbage. I thought that was absolutely horrible. It was poorly scripted oh, did you? and poorly acted. I, I thought it was kind of poorly acted, but I did. It was weird. I liked the line, hey, didn't you used to be Buddy Murphy? That was um, okay, but-, but everyone acted horrible in that. And the dialogue was just really, really stiff and stiffly delivered. My, here was my problem is that Tyler Breeze is a bigger guy than you'd think. And standing next to Jackson Riker, eye to eye, you're like, oh, that kind of kills Jackson's aura a little bit. I thought. Yeah, uh, that's one of the problems I have with this scene. It, I apparently thought much. You less, just didn't like. You I, didn't like the comedy. I, I didn't find the comedy to be comedy. I, I mean, the "Did yeah. you used to be Buddy Murphy?" line was funny, but it didn't make up for all of the weirdness and l- the goofiness of the Forgotten Sons. They felt like goofballs, and I thought the whole point was to try to make them seem more legitimate, so I'm, I'm confused yeah. with what we're doing with these guys. No, I, I would agree there. I, I, I think I was concentrating more on uh, Breeze's performance, because I did like this. I, I'm a man, I have a beard. Yes, that uh, was <laughs> funny. I, I thought that he's that a, line was he, funny. He's he's the scared smart Alec in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the action movie or whatever. Yeah, or 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 in the horror movie when it's you know he he's the wisecracking guy who's about to get his butt kicked, so I I kind of liked it on on that level. But no, yeah, I think your your criticisms are valid. What do you think about Bronson Reed and Dexter Loomis? All right, um, what do you Stokely, think about Dexter Loomis? Well, the uh, the aforementioned Stokely Hathaway is aligned with um, um, I want to call him Jonah Rock. What does Bronson? Yes. Um, and in all these videos and things, so I thought he should have probably been out there from the get go. Sam Shaw is one of the. I call him Sam. Uh, I still think of Dexter him Loomis, as Sam Shaw as well. 
Yeah, Dexter Loomis is the former Sam Shaw from NWA and TNA. He's a guy that looks like a million bucks. He's a guy that has a great presence when he comes out. He's a guy that is an okay wrestler. He can do a That's few things. That's my issue. He can do a few things. Emphasis on few. Um, yes, he has that flip I love out of him. the ring. I, that was cool. I absolutely, oh, that was great. I love him as a presence. He took 80% of this match and then lost. Yeah. Who were we trying to introduce here? That's my question because I was I was like I thought huh. this was a Dexter Loomis match because he got the huge entrance yes. that was really impactful. Bronson Reed, no knock on the guy, he just doesn't have the oomph that Dexter Loomis has. But then you go back to the bracket, and this is why they can't show the bracket before the match because then you see Cameron Grimes on the other side of the bracket. So they had to do this. This this is poorly thought out sam shaw is a sports entertainment character in a wrestling tournament right now because his character should be in my opinion he should be a throwback to the to the old there's a couple characters who have been like this the the secret service jack victory in nwa the big boss man on his second run through when he was with the corporation he's a bodyguard character anyone who can do that flip out of the ring if you just get that over with the crowd, that he has this one powerful submission move and he can also just sneak up on you. With the sleeves and stuff, he I would give him a Eastern Promises type character. Make him make him the a badass assassin type. The blue jeans threw me off a bit. I, I gotta admit, him wrestling because you know what he, he with the haircut and the blue jeans, he came off to me like Orange I Cassidy. I thought you were gonna say Orange Cassidy. It did occur to me while I was watching the match as well. Yeah, I'm watching this. I'm going, man, he's angry Orange, <laughs> Orange Cassidy, Cassidy right Cassidy's now. Orange <laughs> watching Stranger Things, and he's weird now. <laughs> he went upside down. and then- Yeah, I was just, I was shocked by the story of this match, because I'm like, you're okay, you're going to get put, you're going to put Dexter, I didn't know the spoiler on this one, so I thought, okay, Loomis is, is having is having most of the offense, they're going to have a comeback on by Bronson. He's going to do a bunch of power stuff, and then eventually Loomis is going to pull out. But no, it's Loomis dominates, and then, you know, Bronson hits a couple of moves and beats him. I was just like, that's an interesting way to introduce a guy as... Uh, that, here's the other part. The video didn't fit. Yes. He's talking about Australian strong style, and he comes out and gets his ass kicked for Even better is 80% that production of the match. forgot to edit in the Dexter Lubis video as well, and Moro tried to cover that up by going, it looks like our production team was just as freaked out by Dexter Lubis's intro as we were. I wonder if they did one. I think they did do one. Okay. I'm, I'm just wondering if they had just forgotten to do I, one you know, this put is it where, Yeah, this is where they forgot to put in the one that they did. Yeah, it would have been nice to have had an intro for saying, although... Although I think his his video should have just been him staring at the camera. And then that's it. That would have been very funny. <laughs> I'm Dexter Loomis. Like, and then he just, you just have Kathy you have Kathy <laughs> Kelly asking questions. Do you want to say anything? I'm Dexter Loomis. Tell us about yourselves. Tell us about where you came from. Why are you wearing the gloves? And, he just, and he's just doing that deadpan into the thing. I, I you know, I, I I love his look. I think there's a there's a place for him. I don't think he's a work rate machine, but I don't think you have to be a work rate machine in professional wrestling if you have the proper role. He's I'd put him on the main roster tomorrow as a bodyguard to somebody, but that's me. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I, it's only one match. He is. He's a little older though. That that's is the problem. The he's older. Thing. He's older, and he's in NXT. And NXT is is work rate geek central. 
And uh, I'm not saying geek as a derogatory yeah, thing. I'm saying it as a... Th- no, I'm not, because I love all those guys. It's just sometimes they they get an idea of what a guy should be, and they start crapping on him before he gets a chance to improve. And I, I just... It's, it's one of those things where it's like... I think they're going to be very hard on him at the NXT arena. Let's put it that way. Then we had Kushida defeating Apollo Crews. Your thoughts on Kushida versus Apollo Crews? It was the most fun I've had watching an Apollo Crews match in since probably forever. That is very um, much the truth, and he certainly felt rejuvenated. It made me think that Apollo might be back to help out Tyler Breeze, and that's why we kind of wrapped up this. It's a good possibility. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I am still shocked at how badly they blew Apollo Crews. Because if haven't you haven't they, if you watch, if you watch, uh, I want to say breaking ground. It might be proving ground, but whatever that video was, a uh, behind the scenes at NXT where they were building up uh, Baron Corbin. Yeah, they're yeah, talking about yeah, yeah. Tito or not Tito. Um, what's his name? The guy that Rob always liked. That uh, oh, Tino Sabatelli. With. Tino Sabatelli. Apollo Cruz was the star of that show. Right, his right, backstory, right. his his charisma, his visit with his sister. Everything on that was great. He has this natural charisma. They bring him onto the NXT show. He, you know, he has a great debut against Tyler Breeze and he has these great matches and then they start to beat him a bit and then they bring him up to the main roster in, I believe it was Dallas, uh, on the Raw after WrestleMania. And all he is, and all Vince sees him as is, um, Oh, I can't say it without getting in real trouble, but let's put it this way. He's a nice guy with a nice personality. And that's all they did with him. He has this big, look at his smile. Look at his energy. And and they didn't do anything with him as the wrestler. They didn't do anything with the Uha Nation that was on the indies that was just an absolute monster who could do all these flips and stuff. They they, they He got into the WWE pattern. And they got and, rid of the Apollo Nation. They stripped everything that made this guy a success yes. on the indies and reduced him down to became, what you just, just said. And it, He became Mr. Happy to be there. Yes, I'm happy. Right. Look at me. I'm going to smile. Look at his smile. Look at his. Oh, this guy so loves performing for the fans. He loves to entertain. And you're just like, oh, my God. That's the kiss of death. And there is just... Why are you making those weird noises on the podcast, Jeff? Well, because sometimes you get frustrated and you can't think of what to say. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... I could do this whole show by myself, Chris. I mean, it's fine. (laughs) This new co-host you have is... Interesting. Don't make fun of me. I I like wrestling. It's true. Okay, you, no, fine. no, he's dialed into the product. It's great. Honestly, some of the takes have been pretty good. But <laughs> so then we had I liked this little twist with the Adam Cole feud. Where Adam Cole thinks that he's going to embarrass Trey Tucker and Trey and Johnny have a twist on Is it Adam Trey Cole. Or Twan? Oh, I it- oh, it was Twan. My bad. I, I don't know let where me, I got Trey from. Let me come in here for a second. Yes. What a thrill it must have been for this kid. Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Who is probably never going to get a whiff of the WWE. I could not contain myself. Like, man, I that is so awesome. To even and the way they set this up was awesome. Shot. Yeah, I, I, I thought this entire thing was great. I was happy for the kid. I, I thought, you know, I mean, <laughs> his, his one line wasn't the most uh, 
I mean, it's hard. It's hard the first time you speak into a microphone to to sound like you have. I mean, to really you don't feel comfortable the first. I'd say like fifty times you're well, really you, speaking you into put, a microphone. Yeah, you don't put the mic to your mouth enough. You're not used to the it reverberating around a full arena. It's weird hearing so your he own ca- voice through speakers. Yeah, it, it was a little weak, but I liked his presence and I liked I liked that they gave that kid his mo. That's his 15 minutes of fame if he never does anything in wrestling ever again. So that was that. I thought that was just great. Yeah, he was involved in a main event angle. So and I'm not a and I'm not a sentimental guy, which is so weird that I I just I was just smiling, and going, "That's really cool for that." Kid. No, I thought they did the whole thing really well, and I'm excited to see Johnny versus Adam Cole. I, I feel like you know Adam's not going to be giving the belt back, but this is a good way to set this up and make Johnny feel like he's really in the chase. Chris, I I love everything about this angle. I don't want to see Adam and and Johnny again. Yep, me neither. Which this is, is why, jo- this I, is that's the why jo- I'm fine because I think this is this is it. This is the Gargano story, though. We never get past him, and he's great. I love Johnny Gargano. I rave about him after every takeover. But this is every takeover program with Johnny Gargano, where he's where he never really gets to move on until somebody gets injured or called up, and it's like, oh. And I guess it's going to be like a three faces of fear match. What do you mean? Well, because because they're talking about the third time, and and I guess um, I'm guessing it's going to have something to do with the number three because oh, the first you're saying one like was the like three stages of hell, three stages of hell, three. I've, uh, I, I guess I thought three. you were talking about the White Castle of Doom match. No, 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 because no. I'm talking that's, three match, three matches, to. three different, uh, three different stipulations. So yeah, I, I could see something like that. Three stages of hell, maybe. But yes, yeah. I think this is also third and final time as well. I guess so, but what do you do with Gargano when he loses? Because I don't think he's going up you until Chapa comes Riddle back. You keep Infinity Holding pattern in the I lower agree. card. There's a bunch of people. You know, uh, Keith Lee is right making the, some the, noise. He, although I love Johnny, but he's jamming the lane for these other guys, and it's time yeah. for Johnny to do other things. It's time to give him a promotion, right? And let or Adam Cole the, sit at the top the, as the already, undisputed era champion. I, I mean, I don't want him to go back and become the North American champion again. No, you've 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 already cooled him down. You've already turned him heel. You've already put him on the top of top of the and mountain. They blew the heel turn. They rushed the heel turn. And they yes, yes, they blew the heel turn. They blew the babyface turn after the heel turn for a while. They got it correct. So now they're out of steam, they, though. Like, like this character, they, they've they've yeah. squeezed all of the juice out of this lemon. And, 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 and then, been a and then fun they beat ride, him again. and he's had a lot of great yes. matches along the way. But because they rushed that heel turn and because they rushed that baby face turn, there's just not enough rope left in the line anymore. If you don't think he has a place on the main roster, and I think he has a place on the main Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.